Welcome to the Israel Bible Podcast. My name is Cindy Parker. I am an author, a speaker, and the professor of Holy Land Studies at the Israel Bible Center. I am passionate about reading the Bible in the physical, historical, and cultural context of its day. But what I really like doing is having geeky conversations with people about all kinds of things. In this podcast, I'd like to invite you to join me as I sit down each week with other faculty members of IBC to discover new aspects of the Bible. These are some of my favorite dialogues because as a modern audience reading an ancient text, we know that the Bible does not need to be rewritten, but it needs to be reread. Welcome to the new year. I hope you and your family experience health and joy in this new year. Goodness knows we all need it. Over the weekend, I was at a New Year's Eve celebration, and I ended up in a conversation with some friends about the afterlife. We all had different views of what it might be like, and we all had different understandings of what the Bible said about it. After I went home, I remembered a roundtable talk between Dr. Yeshia Gruber, Dr. Nicholas Shazer, and myself about this very issue— So I had to revisit the talk. And if you missed the original online conversation, well, you may want to make sure you go on our mailing list so that you hear about all the wonderful things that are coming up in the future. But you can also go back and listen to this talk as it is now a small part of a larger IBC course called Jews and Greeks on Life and the Afterlife. The whole course is fascinating. Today's conversation is just a tiny little sliver of what is in there. So without delaying too much, let's jump in, shall we? And let's start with a question about if Jews and Christians have a different understanding about the afterlife. Dr. Shazer, what do you say? I'll make this very simple. Um, the, The Christian view of the afterlife is a Jewish view of the afterlife. Uh, that is, the New Testament writings, when they express their understanding of, you know, the underworld or afterlife, they're expressing Jewish ideas. Now, what complicates this is that uh, Jewish ideas are influenced by Greek ideas. Uh, the New Testament's written in Greek, not in Hebrew. So, by definition, it's going to be influenced by, by Greece and Greek thinking. Now, this is an important part of the conversation and is a large part of why this particular course was developed. How did the Greeks think and how did the Jews think? Was there ever any crossover? Of course, the answer is yes, with much more influence coming from the Greeks since they were the dominant empire in which most of the Jews lived. But what can we learn about Jewish thought before the existence of the Greek empire? In our roundtable talk conversation, we looked at two different verses. Both are written as poetry, right away that brings in issues of Hebrew language and parallel structures. And if you want to hear more about that, I suggest taking Dr. Shazer's course on the Psalms. But of the verses we talked about, the first one is 1 Samuel 2.6, which says, The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to Sheol— In some translations, it says depth, and raises up. And the second one is in Psalm 139, verse 8. This one is amazing. It says, If I go up to heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. 
So what do verses like these have to tell us about Israelite thought regarding the afterlife? In both of these, you have Yahweh kills. So you have kills and giving life um, in the first line, and then Sheol and raising up. So the idea that these are like opposites of each other, that Sheol is under or below if the opposite is to be raised up. Um, so is the same in the second in the Psalms reference, you ascend to heaven as part of the first parallel, the first idea. And then the, the coupling idea to that, which is the opposite, if I lie down in Sheol. So again, we get this idea that Sheol is below. So we're already starting to see kind of this Hebrew framework um, or an Israelite worldview that sees the heavens up above and that being the realm of the heavenly hosts where Sheol is something below as something opposite to the heavenly realm. I I think this is a great uh, psalm. This verse is so important too because the, the, the concern is if God is in heaven, and in the afterlife, one goes to Sheol, as Cindy said, if one is above and one is below, do we still get to hang out with God in, in the afterlife prior to resurrection? This, this verse, as well as the Jonah cross reference that you have here, seems to indicate that, yes, that's true. The Hebrew, by the way, is, is, is well, I don't want to say cute, but it's, it's kind of, it's interesting. So it says, B'Shemayim, so in, in Shemayim, in the heavens, Shamata, uh, you were there. And then the psalmist says, and in Sheol, Hinecha, which which is comes from Hine, which means behold. Uh, so literally, it says, you know, you, if I go, if I ascend to the heavens, you are there, and if I if I lie down in Sheol, look, it's you. Yeah, <laughs> Essentially, yeah. is what the Hebrew is saying. Uh, so yeah. So and to go back to Cindy's point about parallelism, both of these sentences are equally true. Now, an interesting concept arises here. What is Sheol, and is it equal to hell? What is hell? Are these the same things? And of course, they are not, but that idea might need to be explained a little more. So let's go back to Dr. Shazer. Often in, and you know, if you get it in more traditional translations, um, Sheol, that word in Hebrew, Sheol, or in Greek in the New Testament, it's Hades. We can get into that as we move forward. But that sometimes is translated as hell, H-E-L-L. Um, that is not a very good translation because, because we associate the English word hell uh, with you know a place of punishment where you go when you mm-hmm. die. And so to associate Sheol with that, um, yeah, it can be scary. Uh, but uh, rest assured, uh, Sheol is not hell. These are two completely different places. Mm-hmm. Sheol is the place where everyone goes when they die to await resurrection. So again, going back to Hannah's song in 1 Samuel chapter 2, you get brought down to Sheol after death, and then you're raised up to new life. So the, again, the end goal is bodily resurrection. Uh, hell, actually, is it comes from an Aramaic word, which is Gehenna. And uh, it gets transliterated, literally the Greek in the New Testament, when Jesus talks about hell, um, it says uh, it says Gehenna in Greek. So this is an Aramaic word. It comes from the Valley of Gehinom, Ben Hinom. Uh, you can read about this, for example, in Jeremiah 32, Jeremiah 7, I think Jeremiah 19, 2 Kings 23. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say 2 Chronicles 33. Uh, anyway, it, it shows up, okay, throughout the Hebrew Bible. And... Um, 
And it was a place where wayward Israelites would sacrifice people to other gods, uh, even their children. And so it's an actual physical place. It's a valley, a burning pit. And because I adore the geographical bit related to this concept, I jump in with an explanation. Gai Ben-Hinnom, or the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, is the westernmost valley that defines the shape of the city of Jerusalem. Well, let's just go back to what I said in the conversation. Uh, Jerusalem up in the Judean hill country was bordered by the Kidron Valley on the eastern side and the Hinnom Valley on the western side. And the city expanded and contracted between those two valleys, depending on how strong the city was at any point in time. Um, And yeah, so being an actual real place, um, it places real physical context has a way of holding on to memories. They preserve memories. They become like memories get anchored into these places. And so exactly all the references that Nick was talking about are all of these accounts in the Hebrew Bible of the memories that are connected to the Hinnom Valley throughout Israelite history. So the sacrifice of children, it being on the outskirts of the city, kind of a, an area potentially that was a dumping ground. Um, anything outside the city walls was an area where people would dump um, refuse of any sort. So it's it's an actual real place that holds these real memories. And so by the time we're getting into the Gospels, um, I mean, obviously, the Hinnom Valley is not being used that way anymore. But for the Jewish worldview, it holds those memories of when the people were very far away from acting in the way that God instructed his people to act. So the valley of uh, the Ben Hinnom Valley um, then becomes a good illustration of if you remember this place and the events that happened in this place, it is so far opposite what, for instance, the temple represents, where God and his people are in harmony with one another. So it's interesting then if you use that framework to talk about or to reread some of the things that Jesus is saying when he mentions Gehenna. Um, it has a very different connotation than a real like spatial aspect that Sheol does. Sheol has that underneath the whole entire world kind of idea. Uh, Gehenna or hell is that very specific valley. And I'll I'll just as a a fun story, just an aside, um, I used to live in Jerusalem and I worked on one side of the Hinnom Valley and I lived on the other side. And so every day I walked up and down through the Gehenna Valley Um, And so I used to have great fun talking to people, you know, my dad, who would always say, you know, we walked uphill both ways in the snow. I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, but I walk through hell every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was going to give that uh, as the standard Jerusalem tour guide um, (laughs) joke, you know, going out the Jaffa Gate. Now we're going to hell, folks. Um, (laughs) But but it's actually quite pleasant nowadays. It's a nice green park. Yeah, it's nice. And you do kind of go uphill both ways. Well, depends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not not exactly, but... (laughs) You, uh, yeah. It depends where you're going. It's a very nice valley worth visiting. Um, but and it freezes over. <laughs> it does sometimes. Yeah. Um, and uh, very, very interesting to see how these real places became symbolic. 
hmm. uh, in the mindset of the time. And that idea of the valley of Ben Hinnom, you can hear Gehenna in that. Gehinnom would be the, the whatever, the valley of Gehenna. Um, that gets essentially, you know, looked at and then projected into the afterlife, okay? So that is, um, it's a place of punishment in the afterlife for the unrighteous. Now, um, essentially what happens is that everybody goes to Sheol. Think of it as a kind of a preliminary holding tank before resurrection. And at resurrection, at the day of judgment, a great example of this is Matthew chapter 25, the last several verses of Matthew 25, and Jesus' story of the sheep and the goats. And the goats are the unrighteous who go away uh, into the you know, eternal punishments. Um, that's that Gehenna idea. Okay, so that is Gehenna is a post-resurrection phenomenon. Um, it, uh, it, it essentially appears, okay, um, at, at, the, uh, at the day of resurrection. And it's, it's again, it, it happens when, when God sort of sifts the righteous from the unrighteous. So what does that mean? It means that Gehenna is sort of laying in wait, but no one's in there right now, okay? No one's in hell until the day of resurrection. Um, for the time being, both the righteous and the unrighteous are are in Sheol, according to Jewish thought, after death. Okay, wait a minute. Anyone else surprised by this? Gehenna is something no one is in while the righteous and unrighteous are in Sheol. We might need Dr. Shazer to explain this a little more, and he is about to dive straight into a text written by Josephus. Well, maybe someone else, but the text is often associated with Josephus. what Josephus thinks of when he thinks of the afterlife uh, uh, called Hades in Greek. Again, this goes back to the Hebrew idea of Sheol. Gr uh, the Greek Hades is just a, tr a Jewish translation of Sheol. So Josephus says, Now as to Hades, wherein the souls of the righteous and unrighteous are detained, by the way, that word for souls is psyche, it's very fun to say. Um, don't think of it in terms of like some wishy-washy wisp or something that lives in, you know, your chest cavity. Uh, psyche can either be translated soul or life. Like uh, the, the story of, uh, you know, like if, if you hear uh, the antiquated terminology, like not a soul was stirring. Um, it doesn't mean, you know, an ethereal wisp or vapor. It, it's a person. So the, 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 there's this idea of embodiment, uh, physical embodiment in, in Hades for, for uh, Josephus. So he says, now where the psyche, the lives of the righteous and unrighteous are detained. That means everybody goes there after they die. Um, so he says, it's necessary to speak of this place. He says, Hades is a place in the world not regularly finished. That is, it's, it's disorganized in there. And he says, it's a subterraneous region. It's under the, under the earth, wherein the light of this world does not shine, from which circumstance that is in this region, light does not shine. It cannot be there, but must be in perpetual darkness. Now we can get to that in a second. Don't worry, Sheol is not completely dark. Uh, Josephus uh, makes this clear later on. Um, but the last sentence that's important here, this region is allotted as a place of, of, of holding, of custody, I would say of holding for, for lives, in which angels are appointed as guardians to them who distribute to them temporary punishments uh, agreeable to everyone's behavior and manners. Now, uh, just really, really briefly, here's the bit about Gehenna. Uh, in this region, in Sheol, there's a certain place set apart as a lake of unquenchable fire. Sounds familiar, right? Sounds like Revelation. 
um, where into, we suppose, no one has hitherto been cast. So uh, sorry for the antiquated terminology, but what, what Josephus is saying is, yes, there's a lake of fire. There's a Gehenna in this area, but no one's in there yet. Josephus is going to go on to say, no, we're raised from the dead. And then people go into Gehenna or the righteous go into God's everlasting kingdom, which has come to this earth. Also not unlike uh, Revelation. In Revelation 21, there's talk of the new Jerusalem coming down to earth. That's what the, the idea in Josephus's, uh, in, in Josephus's mind. One really important thing for the Second Temple period is to see how Hebrew Sheol becomes uh, Hades in Jewish Greek. So Nick, you were talking about this. Maybe you can just take us through this slide. Sure. Uh, so this is Psalm 1610. It gets, uh, so it's originally in Hebrew. You will not abandon my my soul or life, really, uh, nefesh uh, in Hebrew. It won't abandon my life to Sheol. Um, so that's Hebrew. And then the Greek translation is you will not abandon my life, psyche, to Hades. Uh, so you can see that there's a one-to-one -one translation here. In Greek, uh, Sheol becomes Hades. And then this follows in the New Testament quoted in Acts 2.27, um, you will not abandon my life, psyche, to Hades. Basically, are they using these as exact equivalents or is it a kind of symbol or reference? It's a good question. I wish I, wish I had Luke to talk to about, about that. <laughs> um, I, I, you, you can't be sure, but the only thing that we can do is put our eyes on, on the text and based on the, on the, the, the translational position of Hades, um, it, it's a... It's a Greek word, right? Um, Hades predates, the idea of Hades certainly predates the New Testament uh, and indeed predates the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. Uh, so in, sure. that way, in that way, it is, it is a Greek idea, but it's the best that these ancient Jews could do in approximating the idea of Sheol. Hmm. It's so interesting, too, with regard to the question about Josephus, because Josephus seems to draw some things from the Hebrew concept of Sheol, and other things in that description that you read are very reminiscent of Hades. So while this does not answer all of our conversations, this becomes really interesting information to explore, right? And if this Greek versus Hebrew conception of life, death, and the afterlife is intriguing to you, you'll really enjoy the whole course called Jews and Greeks on Life and Afterlife. A quick link is in the episode notes. If you are starting new goals this year and you want to discover new things about the Bible, and if you want access to a whole wonderful collection of courses, along with interviews with world-renowned scholars, you should join us at IBC. If you sign up, you can start earning credit towards Israel Bible Center Certificate Program in Jewish Context and Culture. Thank you to Jeremy McDonald from Mason Jar Music for doing an amazing job editing, mixing, and adding in all the good sounds. Thank you for hanging out with me and being curious about all things Bible-related. <laughs>